Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington, Ohio Church of Christ. We pray that this message will inspire you and help you grow closer to God in your faith. Be sure to stick around after the message to find out more about how you can take your next best step. Enjoy the message. Well, never in my wildest dreams would I have thought that on my very first overseas missions trip, that I would have to handle and go through this, I don't know, if you might know it, it's this little thing called a hurricane. And our team actually had to ride out a hurricane for several days. But that trip was one of the most exciting trips of my life because God worked in that trip through so many different ways. But this past week, I was thinking through a specific moment that happened on that trip and how it can apply to us today. Let me tell you about it. When the storm came, we didn't know when we would be able to come home. They flew the planes out, and they said, yeah, we don't know when you're going to get to go home. So we're like, okay, well, we're stuck here. So that Sunday, we decided to, hey, let's just take a day and go to the beach. Let's relax a little. So we go to the beach. And when we get to the beach, our guide, he takes us out on this boat to this little remote island, Uh, and this is Haiti. So there are several little islands off of the coast. So one of the islands is set about a quarter mile off the coast. He takes us on this little raft out there, and we were on this secluded beach. It was beautiful. But what had happened was the storm had stirred up a bunch of things on the bottom of the ocean and had washed them ashore. So as I was walking the shoreline, there was something in the sand that caught my eye. And I leaned down and I picked up this beautiful blue rock. And when I picked it up, I'm like, this is interesting. It has like all these grooves, but I have never felt a rock so smooth around the edges. So I asked our guide, I said, what kind of rock is this? He said, that rock is called sea glass. And I said, well, what is sea glass? And he said, what sea glass is, is a broken piece of glass. It can be from maybe a bottle or maybe it could be from a broken plate that has fallen into the ocean. It sinks to the bottom. And what happens is over a period of 20, 30, 40 years, between the pressure of the ocean and the salt water coating it, it starts to knock off all of the little sharp edges and it starts to smooth it over and give it this frosted look. And what happens is it completely transforms the rock into what we know as sea glass. And as I think about it, this is really a beautiful image of what God is up to in our life. Over a period of time, when we become Christians, we are all at one point broken. We are at one point, we have all of these sharp little edges, all of these different pointy things we're not that attractive to look at. We have all of these qualities that over a period of time, through the immersion of the Holy Spirit, working in our lives over a period of time, knocking off all of the sharp edges, completely smoothing us out and transforming us into a beautiful picture of what he has called us to be. This is really what progressive sanctification is all about. That over a period of time, God transforms us. Church, this is an exciting morning because we are in our series finale of Scars. 
And I am excited. And you might be wondering why things look a little different today, why the order of service might look a little different. You might be thinking, ah, I hate it, stuff like this. Well, it's a good thing we're in a series about forgiveness because you can practice that right now. But you might be used to someone coming out, welcoming you, telling you how you can get connected. You might be used to a much longer worship set. And how we normally structure things is we believe that worship can help open up our hearts and turn our eyes to receive what God has for us through the message. But there are also days like today where we believe that the message may be needed first in order for us to properly respond in worship. And today, we're going to respond in three different ways. And after several weeks of talking about grace and forgiveness, we want to allow the appropriate amount of time for a response, because today, all of you will get the chance to respond. And we have three different ways to respond today. And before we get to the first, if I could have my volunteers help pass out a piece of paper and something to write with to every person in here. If I could have my volunteers come forward, there's the baskets on the, on the front. And they're going to pass out something to write with and a piece of paper. You might already have something to write with. That's fine. Um, Some of the first service people, I think they stole our pens. (laughs) Most of them are returned. It's okay. There's there's probably even a pencil in front of you in the the seats. But why they are passing those out, I kind of want to take us on a little journey, a little recap of where we have come from in this message and what has led us to the point we're at today. So throughout this series, Scars, week one, we talked about this idea of scars and how in our life, each of us have scars that have the potential to tell powerful stories. And just like the scars of Jesus, his tell a story about how far his grace is willing to go for us. And we see that because of his grace and because of his forgiveness, Christians are called to be the most gracious and forgiving people on earth. But what statistics will show is that about 70% of Christians would say that there is someone in their life that they are unwilling to forgive. Something's got to change there, right? And so a lot of times what happens is the reason we have a hard time forgiving others is because we have a hard enough time accepting God's grace and forgiveness in our own life. We know our shame, we know our sin, we know what we've done, we feel unworthy, so we have a hard time accepting his grace in our life. And if this vertical relationship with God isn't right, then our horizontal relationships will struggle. And so we have used this acronym, SCARS, as kind of a roadmap to where we have gone throughout the series. Week two, we talked about sin. We realize that we have all missed the mark. We all have sin in our life. But what we realize every time we miss the mark, God is always waiting with grace. This led us to confession in week three. And Dale did this beautiful illustration where we had the entire church confess sin. And what we realized is that every single person who steps through the doors here has sin in their life. We are all guilty of it. We're all in the same boat. But when we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. This led us to absolution. This is where we absolutely understand. We acknowledge, we accept that Christ has paid the debt for our sin. 
He took it on the cross, bore our sin and shame, and so every time we miss the mark, he says we can leave it at the cross because of grace. And this led us last week to restoration, where we looked at the manner in which Jesus forgives people, and when he forgives people, he invites them to be restored back into relationship, restored back into his plan for their life. That leads us to today. Today today is about sanctification. Today is about sanctification and God's plan, God's vision for our life as Christians. Now, if everyone has their piece of paper and something to write with, I think just about everyone has one, there are going to be three ways we respond today. And the first one is this. On your piece of paper, you might fold yours like mine, because I mean, if you don't want anyone else to see, that's fine. I like to fold mine, because I'm that way. But on the inside, on one of those sides, write your name. That is the first way to respond today, is just to write your name on this piece of paper. And when you finish writing your name, what I'm going to ask you to do is keep this piece of paper in your hand for the remainder of this message. Because every time you feel this piece of paper in your hand, every time you remember that you are holding on to it, I need you to be reminded that this message is for you and it's for me. This message is for every single person. It applies to every single person in this place. And so that is the first way to respond. Today, we are looking at sanctification and God's vision for our life, the ultimate plan for our life. Sanctification, by definition, sanctification is the process designed by God to set you apart and transform you through the Holy Spirit to be the person he has called you to be. Sanctification is the process of becoming more like Christ by purifying our hearts and minds through repentance, prayer, and spiritual practices. And so today, our text is going to be in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 is our text. I love the book of Colossians. There are so many neat attributes to it, and I encourage you to read it when you have more time. But the, the book of Colossians, uh, chapters 1 and 2, really talk a lot about the preeminence of God. But I love chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 17, because these 17 verses is what I call the transformation verses. They deal a lot with sanctification and looking to what God is trying to transform us as Christians into being, the type of person he has envisioned for our life. And so today, as we look at these 17 verses, I want to start out in verse 17, because verse 17 kind of gives a great summary, then I kind of want to work our way backwards from there. And so in Colossians chapter 3, in verse 17 says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What we are going to see in these verses, these 17 verses, is really four different things. Four points I want us to see what God is trying to show us, and they are what is his vision for our life. Number one, God's vision for your life is to be more integrated than you are when you're converted. 
His vision for your life is to be more integrated, more set apart than you are when you're originally converted. Here's what that means. There is a gap in your life and in mine. There is a gap between word and deed, between head and heart. And in the middle lies our hypocrisy. In the middle lies our hypocrisy. So what God is trying to do through this process of sanctification, through this transforming process over time, what he's trying to do is close that gap. That hypocrisy that you live in, that I live in, over a period of time, shrinks. Now, let's go ahead and get this out of the way because I feel like we all need to realize today we're in the same boat. How many of you would say, by show of hands, in all honesty, because you cannot lie because this is between you and God and he already knows, how many of you would say that you would recognize in your life that there's a gap between word and deed and you can recognize hypocrisy there? How many of you would say that? Okay, so there are those with their hands raised and there are those who forgot to raise their hands. Either that or you're lying because that is really the only place we can be in. We are not perfect. We all, at some point in time, have hypocrisy in our life. So you're either in that boat or you're lying about being in that boat. Or maybe you're so narcissistic you don't even realize where you're at. But this is where we all are. And what God is trying to do through this beautiful thing, sanctification, this beautiful process of transforming us to be more like Christ, he is trying to make us be more integrated and close that gap. But it's up to us to want to pursue that and step into it. Because if you are not being transformed by the Holy Spirit, then you are at risk of conforming to the world. And if you conform to the world, that gap between word and deed will begin to increase. But what God is trying to do, he's trying to close that gap between word and deed. Number two, God's vision for your life is for you to develop a greater level of gratitude and grace. This is the person he is calling us to be. He wants us to develop a greater level of gratitude and grace. You know, I don't know too many people in my life who would say that their goal in life is to be a resentful person. I haven't met too many people. If you would ask them, what is your goal in life? They would say, well, my goal in life is to be angry, hateful, bitter. I don't know too many people like that. I mean, there probably are some of those people out there. but Not, not too many people would want to say that. However, church, I do want to insert right here. I want to insert right here, right now, that there are those people in life, some of which can be in this room, who have been so sinned against that they are unwilling to forgive the other person because it would feel like they're letting them off the hook. And so by choosing not to forgive someone, that person is choosing on purpose to live a life filled with anger, hatred, and bitterness. Church, over the past several weeks, we have talked about grace and forgiveness. We all have been wounded. We are all human. We all run the risk of being hurt by someone else or maybe even hurting ourselves. 
And over these past several weeks, I wonder if someone has been on your mind. I wonder if you have been thinking of a situation in your life that you need to show more grace in. A person you need to show more grace to. Maybe someone else has wronged you and you don't want to forgive them because it feels like you're letting them off the hook. Maybe the person you recognize in your life that you need to show more grace and compassion to is yourself. Maybe because you know the sin and shame in your life, what you have done, what you have been to, you would say, Jake, my wounds are a lot. My scars are a lot. And because of that, I struggle fully accepting what God has come to give me. Church, here's the second way I want you to respond today. And church, this, uh, this might be hard for a lot. Some of you might struggle to do this, but trust me when I say in all honesty that I have been praying for over six weeks for this moment right here, right now. So I pray you have this courage and strength to do this. You have your piece of paper right here. On the inside contains your name. Right next to your name, write down the name of someone you know you need to forgive. If there's someone in your life you know you need to show more grace to, it probably won't take long to think of them because we normally are often thinking about things like that. Write down the name of someone you need to show more grace to. Maybe it's a situation in your life that you need to show more grace in. Write that down. You say, I recognize in this area of life, when it comes to these circumstances in life, I need to be a more gracious person. Write that down. Maybe what you need to write down is that I need to show more grace to myself. I need to accept grace for myself. Write your name down again if that's you. Because what you are doing is having a visual confirmation. You're having a visual confirmation of what it is in your life that you need to show more grace in. So I've been praying for this moment, and I pray you have enough strength to write that name down. When you, have, when you have that situation, that name, maybe yourself, when you have it wrote down, continue to hold it in your hand and think about whatever it is on your piece of paper. Think about it over these next several verses. Because these next several verses shows God's vision to what a person of Christ is called to be like. What kind of character the person of Christ is to have. So let's think about them. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. He's saying, if you're a Christian, you were once this person, but when you accept Christ, you died to that person. You're raised to life to be this new person. Verse 8. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander. Filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices 
and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. We are all created in the image of Christ. We are all equally loved by Christ. He showed grace to everyone equally. And that includes the name of someone you may have wrote down. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Churches, we take a moment to let that scripture sink in. Who are you thinking of? What situation are you thinking of? Are you thinking of yourself? Someone else? A general area in your life that you would say, I need to show more grace in. Some of you, some of you resisted to write down someone. You said, hey, I am not writing down the name of a person. I'm not participating in this. But you were probably thinking of them. You were probably thinking of a name because that's how the Holy Spirit works. That's how conviction works. Church, what we just read right here, what we just read right here is not a suggestion. It's not a suggestion to a good lifestyle. Your opinion on your circumstance carries no weight against what God says. Your opinion on how they hurt you, who has hurt you, what situation you have been hurt in, carries no weight against what God has said. So what are you thinking about? We have talked for the past several weeks about grace and forgiveness. Talking about the scars of Jesus and how they tell the story of his grace for us. And we recognize that forgiven people, they're called to forgive people. So church, if I may appeal to you, If there is someone in your life, whether it's yourself, a situation, or just someone you know that you need to show forgiveness to, by not forgiving them, you are only hurting yourself. You're not hurting them, you're hurting yourself. The first name you wrote, you wrote your name because you are responsible to how or if your wounds heal. You're responsible for it not them. You are the reason that you can hold yourself back from receiving proper healing. You're the reason you can hold yourself back from receiving the joy that comes from showing grace. 
Not them, you. Church, we talked in week one about how many of us carry wounds on the inside that we have not properly dealt with. And so a lot of times our wounds that can be caused by someone else or they are self-inflicted, either way, how you choose to treat those wounds is up to you. And so by, by forgiving someone, it's not about letting them off the hook. It's about letting yourself off the hook. Because when you forgive someone, you are allowing yourself to be restored back into God's vision for your life. You're being restored back into that relationship, back into the transformation of becoming more like Christ. So how do we get on this path? How, how, how do we go after this? This leads us to number three. God's vision for your life is to seek the things above. His vision for you is to seek the things above. Verses one and two of Colossians chapter three says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. Christian, if you have been raised with Christ, meaning you have died to your old self, raised to new life in the image of Christ, pursuing Christ, if you have become a Christian, you need to answer this important question. What are you pursuing after? What is your pursuit as a Christian? Verse 2 says, to set your minds, I'm sorry, verse 1 says, set your hearts on the things above where Christ is, what church? Seated at the right hand of God. Set your hearts on the things above where Jesus Christ is seated. As a Christian, your pursuit is Jesus. Your pursuit is Christ. What you are pursuing after is Jesus. He is the one we long for. He is the one we should be chasing after. The one we are wanting to draw closer to in intimacy. He is the one that we run after, that we bank everything on. He is our prize. He is our treasure. As a Christian, we pursue Jesus. We bank everything on Jesus. When you became a Christian, you chose to bank your eternity on Jesus guess what? You're banking everything on Jesus. People ask you about your marriage. Yeah, I'm banking that on Jesus. About your kids, about your family, I'm banking that on Jesus. About your job, I'm banking that on Jesus. Your finances, yeah, I'm banking that on Jesus. What about your church? Guess what, church? We're here, we're banking everything on Jesus because he is our Lord, our Savior. He is what we are running after. He is our pursuit, our prize and treasure we bank everything on Jesus because he is what we are to pursue after. So how are we pursuing after him? You know, I really like how Romans chapter six says it. Actually, I'm gonna go back to verse two of Colossians chapter three. It says to set your mind on the things above and what church, not on earthly things. 
Set your mind on the things above where Jesus is on purpose for a purpose. Set your mind on these things. And it's not saying that your mind will automatically think of these things because we have a sinful nature. Our sin nature, we're not just going to automatically think on Jesus. No, it is a pursuit. We are to set our minds on Jesus on purpose. You know, I really like how uh, Romans chapter 6 tells us that there are two mindsets one can possess. One mindset set on the spirit, the other on flesh. But I really like how Paul, the Apostle Paul in Philippians, he kind of gives us insight into what specifically our minds are supposed to think about. And I really like this. This is from Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Paul says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. It's not going to automatically happen, he's saying. He's going to say, on purpose, set your mind to think on these things. Because guess what? When you think on these things on purpose, guess what you're going to be thinking about? Jesus. Because guess what? Jesus is what is true. He is what is honorable. He is what is just. He is pure. He is lovely. He is commendable. He is beyond excellence. He is worthy of praise. Think about Jesus, on purpose, for a purpose. Guess what, church? Listen up. No one talks to you more than you do. No one else is constantly speaking to you more than you do. That's how our, that's how our conscience works. We are constantly speaking to ourselves. Every day, all day, when we wake up in the morning, we're speaking to ourselves all day. Late at night, we go to bed, we're speaking to ourselves. Right now, you are speaking to yourself. And a lot of what we can tell ourselves can be true, but most of what we tell ourselves is not true. It's negative. Studies shown that 84% of the thoughts you think throughout the day are negative. Think about that. If you're thinking about that, that's probably negative. 84% of our thoughts are negative. 92% of those thoughts are repetitive. What he is saying is you have to, on purpose, shift your focus to Jesus. Think about these things. Not to say you won't fall back and think of negative, but it is a pursuit to think about Jesus. It's a chase. It's what we look to. What are some ways that we do that? What are some ways that we can fix our eyes on Jesus? God has designed very specific tools, very specific ways that we can fix our eyes on the things above, fix our heart, our mind on the things above, draw closer to him. One of those ways is right here. Right here, his God breathed, holy word of God, he is speaking to us through. And every time we read it, every time we open it, 
We are knowing him on a more intimate level. We are on purpose setting our thoughts on him when we read his passage, when we read his word, his Holy Spirit, he left us with so we can communicate to him. He left us prayer that we can have a conversation with him. He left us gathering together. He left us worship. You could draw closer to the throne of Christ through your worship. He left us meeting together where two or more are gathered in his name. There is he in the midst. He left us a way to fast. That's what we have been doing for the past several weeks. We have been fasting. We have been training ourselves to develop a hunger for Christ and not of things of the world. By developing a hunger for Christ, we are setting our mind, we are setting our heart on him. So church, what are we hungry for? What are you hungry for? What are you feeding yourself? Things of the world or things of Christ? You know, I find it kind of ironic that a lot of what we feed ourselves from here on the world is through this little device. And a lot of times what we feed ourselves when we're scrolling, we're scrolling through something, it's called a feed. Isn't that kind of ironic? An Instagram feed, a Facebook feed, Pinterest feed, Twitter feed. What are we feeding ourselves? Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the world. How are we setting our mind on Jesus? He has given us these ways. You know, I used to be so ashamed of my prayer life because it felt like every time I would pray, my words would just bounce off the ceiling and come back. It felt like every time I opened the Bible to read it, I was just doing it because I know I should. A mentor of mine, he asked me this, this important question that changed my perspective. He said, Jake, when is the last time that you approached God in prayer without a personal agenda? Wow. When is the last time you approached him without your own thoughts on your mind? When is the last time, church, we approach them in prayer for the sole purpose of wanting to draw closer to him? When is the last time we read our Bible with the sole purpose of not just trying to get through another chapter, chapter, but trying to know him more intimately, trying to draw closer to the things of Jesus? When's the last time we worshiped with the sole intent on not just singing lyrics, but approaching boldly to the throne room of heaven Jesus is? When is the last time we met together, not just because it's something that you know you're supposed to do on a Sunday morning, but you want to fellowship with the people of God because you know that God is going to show up. You know that God is going to do something through it. Set your mind and hearts on the things above where Christ is seated. That is how you pursue after him. That is how we are driving our life, to be closer to him. God's desire for us to know him more intimately, God's desire is for us to know him more intimately. So when we pursue the things that were designed for us to know him more, 
It sets our hearts and minds on the things above. Church, one other way that he does give us to set our minds on him is through something we call communion, which is something we're going to partake in right now. He left us this to fully remember him, and by remembering him, we are setting our mind on him. And as I look to this bread that I hold in my hand, I'm setting my mind to him on the cross, looking fully at what he has done for us, that his body was broken for us, that our sin, our guilt, and our shame can be left at the cross. Because this was his plan that he pours out for you and me, and now we are setting our mind and heart on him by partaking together. Let's see. As I look and think on now of his blood, the blood that ran down the tree, his new covenant poured out for us, I envision him on the tree and although he's going through all of the pain and all the suffering, he has me on his mind. He has you on his mind. And yes, paying the debt for your sin was the plan. It's just part of the plan because he also has the whole vision on his mind. He has sanctification on his mind. He knows that by what he is doing, you can start to be transformed to be more like him. He has the plan on his mind the whole time. And we are setting our hearts and minds on him, but choosing to remember right here and right now his sacrifice. Let's take it. Church, we still have one more, one more thing to look at in our text. One more thing. God's vision for your life is for you to be hidden in him. His vision for your life is to be hidden in him. Church, on the first week of this message, of this series... I told you and I gave you some insight into some of the scars, some of my stories I've had to deal with in my life. And to be honest with you, I didn't want to tell you those because by doing so, it made me feel very vulnerable. And what I am ready to tell you right now, I don't want to tell you because it makes me feel vulnerable. But I feel the peace and comfort of the Holy Spirit telling me that Christ endured pain, suffering. He kept his scars so that my scars can tell stories just like his. Because that's what we're called to as Christians. That's a part of our testimony. Not just the good things, but the parts of our lives 
that might not look so pretty. But God can be seen through them. The very first week, I told you about someone in my life who I had a hard time showing grace to. I've held a lot of anger for because it seems like their words constantly cut people down. It feels like they're choosing to live a life of bitterness. And I knew going into this series, I knew I need to forgive this person. I need to show grace and let it go. When I did, the weight that's lifted off your shoulders, you cannot describe the level of freedom you feel when you forgive someone, when you show grace. It's something I can't explain. It's something you have to experience. Church, I, when, I, when I was planning this message, I didn't want to tell you this part, but I'm, but I'm going to. A few weeks later, I was in the presence of the person again, and their words were at it again. And I felt the Holy Spirit telling me, as clear as he could be, to sit down and show love, compassion, and grace. But the flesh in me wanted to lash out. So instead, said what I did, I turned my back and I walked out. Not just out of the room, out of the building entirely. I knew what the Holy Spirit was telling me to do. I turned and I walked. And although my words didn't lash out, by turning my back and walking, that sends a pretty clear message to how I feel. I started to pull out my phone later that night, so ashamed. I started texting Dale. I said, Dale, I am a hypocrite who is trying to teach people about grace and forgiveness. And when push came to shove, I turned my back and walked. I don't believe I should be teaching. I wanted to send a text, but I didn't. Why? Because my life is hidden in Christ. And in Him, His mercies are new every day. In your life, His mercies are new every day. How beautiful is that? How beautiful is that? I might have missed the mark then, but He does not want to leave me in that place. He says, you can still do it. He says, you can still do what I have called you to do in the first place. There is no greater lie. I believe there's one of the biggest lies you could fall into is that as a Christian, even after 5, 10, 15, 20 years, one of the biggest lies you can fall into is that as a Christian, you have to have it all together. That is a lie straight from the depths of hell. You might be in here this morning and you might be like, Jake, I am tired of missing the mark. I have tried. 
I have tried to show grace. I have tried to be a better Christian. I have tried to look to Jesus. I keep falling time and time again. I have tried to pursue what is right, but I fall time and time again. I feel unworthy because I keep falling time and time again. I can't even show myself grace because I fall time and time again. Christian, if that is you, what I have to say to you this morning is that we serve a God who shows grace upon grace. We serve a God whose mercies are new in our life every morning. So trust in the process of sea glass. Trust that God is consistently working in your life, trying to mold you into into the person he has called you to be. God is working in your life for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years. He is consistently working in your life. So accept his grace Get back up and get after him. Because he has not abandoned you. He is not mad at you. He does not say, I regret this whole thing because of you. Guess what, church? He does not regret his scars because of you. How beautiful is that? That's the God I serve. The God that says, I do not regret my scars because of you. No, I wear them proudly. I wear them proudly to show you. I wear them on my resurrected body. My glorified body that came up out of the grave. I kept my scars and they tell how far my grace is willing to go for you so that your scars can have the opportunity to show how far your grace is willing to go for someone else. God kept his scars. The scars that were once showed where the nails were, the nails that once pierced through his skin on this hand hung him to one end of the cross. The other side pierced through his skin, hung him to the other side, pierced through his feet to show the greatest level of love, grace, and forgiveness anyone could ever show. It was on that tree, he took your sin, your guilt, the weight of all of of your shame, both past, present, and future. And because of his grace, because of his forgiveness, he says, every time you miss the mark, you can leave it at the cross because that's where I paid the debt. Every time you miss what I've called you to do, You can leave it at the cross because I have already paid the debt. I have already forgiven you. Accept my grace. And he invites you to be restored back into his perfect, glorious plan for your life. The vision. He invites you to be restored back into sanctification. Becoming more like him. That was the plan all along. So church, as we talk about this today, I wonder where you have been wounded. I wonder what you are dealing with in your life where you know I've missed the mark. You know that, you know that I need to show more grace to this person. I need to show more grace in this situation. I might need to show more grace to myself. Because God invites me to leave it at the cross. He invites me to let it go. 
So church, if you still have this, maybe it's time to leave it at the cross. Maybe it's time to be be reminded of what God's scars has done for you. Be thankful for the scars that tell just how far God's love goes for us. It tells of who he is. And we can be reminded that when we miss the mark on whatever it is we are holding right now, we can leave it at the cross. So church, maybe today we can leave it there. Leave it at the cross. I'm going to ask my volunteers right now if they can take the blankets off these two tables. Church, we're going to look at the third way. I'm going to ask us all to respond today because remember, this message applies to everyone. Don't matter if you've been a Christian for 50 years or five minutes. It applies to everyone. On these two tables, there's a cross. It represents where Jesus died to relieve all of your sin, guilt, shame, past, present, future. Church, so today we're going to have the opportunity to just leave it at the cross. Whatever area in your life you know you are missing the mark, you need to show more grace in a specific area, you need to show more grace to someone or maybe yourself. You're going to have the opportunity to leave it at the cross. I know I do. Today can be a day of healing. Because remember, the first name you wrote down on your piece of paper was yourself because you are the one responsible to if and how your wounds heal. You are the one who is responsible for making the choice, am I going to let it go? Not the person who wronged you, not the person you feel like you'd be letting off the hook. This is about letting yourself off the hook and saying, I accept God's grace. So what's going to happen here in a few moments The band is going to play. They're going to sing some songs. You're going to have an opportunity. Every single one of us has the opportunity to come down here and leave it at the cross. We all can come down here, take the nail, the nail which went through the flesh of our Savior, pinning your sin to the cross. We have the opportunity right now to take the nail, put it through whatever is holding us back, into the cross and leave it there. And by doing so, by leaving whatever it is you're dealing with right now at the cross, what you are saying is, God, I am choosing to let it go. And by letting it go, I am choosing to pursue Jesus, pursue his vision for my life. And I'm not going to let this hold me back anymore. Now, before I pray and before we come and leave it at the cross, I want to say this real quick. The Holy Spirit is pressing on me. There are a few of you in here this morning who is going to try as hard as you can to resist what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do right now. If that's you, my question is, my question for you is, what are you pursuing after, really? By holding on to this, what are you pursuing after? Because what you'll discover in the end, you're pursuing after nothing, and that was for nothing. 
I'm going to be down here, and I want to pray with anyone who would let me pray for them. Maybe you need prayer before you leave it. Maybe you need prayer after you leave it at the cross. Maybe you're in here today, and you have never known what it meant to be buried to your old self and raised to new life in Christ. To make him the Lord and Savior of your life and leave all of your sin, guilt, and shame at the cross. That's you. I want to meet you down here and show you what, that's, what that looks like. But if you're holding back, there is no shame in walking down this aisle and leaving something at the cross. There is no shame in walking down this aisle and letting someone who loves you pray for you. But what would be a shame is to hold on to this for your whole life and stay stuck in the same place you are when God has so much more for you ahead. I cannot twist your arm to let it go. I can pray for you. I can encourage you. Church, I'm going to pray right now. This is open invitation to everyone. You can see by what's already there, the first service, people were choosing healing instead of hanging on. Father, right now, I pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to move throughout this place, stir in hearts, give people courage to say, I am letting it go. I am choosing to let it go. Whatever it is, whatever area they need to show grace in, I'm choosing to let it go, God. That is my prayer this morning. I pray that this morning can be a morning of healing and restoration. Father, we are so thankful for what your scars represent. We're thankful that because of them we can know your heart and that our scars, which were once these wounds, we're nailing they will start to heal and become scars that can tell stories that can bring healing to others, that can point others to the cross, to the grace of Jesus. Father, this moment and what all happens is yours. It's in your son's name. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, talk to, or maybe you just want more information about our church, Be sure to fill out a Connect card so we can reach out and help you take your next best step. Thanks again for joining, and we will see you back here next time.